Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, all of you, great listeners of this great station, which beams only Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Orerut, religious music. And I urge every one of you to make sure every day, on a daily basis, you, your children, will keep this station open. There will be a lot of benefit for, from it. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I want to say a couple of words about Parashat Tzav, and also I want to speak a little bit about Purim. In Parashat Tzav, we are told about the Korban Toda. Korban Toda means that we are thank, thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's like a thanksgiving type of, of a uh, sacrifice. And there were only four types of people that would be obligated to bring the Korban Torah. And these are, it says in, uh, in, the, in the Gemara there, the Yordehayam, people that cross the sea. Sea is very dangerous. And especially in the olden days, people did not know whether they'll ever arrive at their destination. And when they do, it's a miracle. And they have to be uh, thankful to Hashem. Holchem Idbarot, people that cross the desert. You know, in the desert, there's, there's hardly any, there's no food, uh, hardly any water to speak of. People can die from thirst. And therefore, if a person crosses it and he uh, reaches his destination safely again, he has to be thankful to Hashem by bringing the Korban to them. A person who's been in prison, and he gets out of prison, again, he has also to uh, bring the korban to them. Or a person that has been sick. Uh, I mean, sick, like uh, three days in bed, for example. Uh, I'm not talking about a person who's got a headache, you know, a stomachache, and that's not what we're talking about. And he was, uh, he, he was healed from his sickness, also, he would bring this Korban Torah. And these we'll learn from the Pasuk and Tehillim, uh, which we, the, we, we uh, read uh, during the night of Pesach. Yudu l'ashem adam. That we have to be thankful to the Hesed of Hashem and to the wonders that he does to us. Now, besides the Korban, the sacrifice that the person brings, uh, he has to bring also loaves of bread. How many? Forty. That's right, you heard right. Forty. Three types of those forty, like three times ten, were masa. In other words, it was uh, non-hamets. And one category of ten was hamets. In other words, it, it was, they, they brought it like regular bread. Now you may question, what's happening over here? Why so much? Not only that, but in general, when a person will bring a korban nedava, voluntary type of a sacrifice, he has, he has, uh, he can, is uh, allowed to eat from it the day that he brings it, the night, and the day after. Toda, korban toda, no, only that day and the night. That's it. That's all he has. So how? Is he going to consume 40 
loaves of bread with the korban, you know, in one day, in one night. Well, that is the idea behind it. In order to publicize the miracle that happened to him. So being that he has so little time and so much to eat, that he would invite people. He would tell them about what happened to him, about the miracle that Hashem bestowed upon him and, and saved him. And that in itself is telling the Ma'asim of HaKadosh Baruch the Niflaot of Hashem that saved him. So that's one, one of the reasons. By the way, these four categories that we mentioned are the same four categories for which nowadays there is no korban, but we say the birkat ha-gomel. The birkat ha-gomel is for someone who crossed the sea or went through a desert or came out of prison or was sick. It's a similar situation. An interesting thing brings the Abarbanel. Abarbanel says that within the korban Pesach, Korban Pesach, he says, all four cases that we talked about exist. All four cases. In other words, we talked about Habushim prison. What? They were prisoners in Egypt. They were slaves in prison. Crossing the sea. Yeah, they crossed the sea. In fact, they even crossed the sea by, by foot. Not even with a, with a boat or a ship. Uh, the Midbar, Hulchem, yeah, they went into the Midbar. And therefore, many of them, he says, were healed. People so they were blind, became, they can see, can see, then those are deaf, then they could hear, the mute could speak, and so on and so forth. Therefore, he says, the Korban Pesach really should have been a Todah. However, being that the Korban Todah has chametz with it, and on Pesach, chametz is a su, therefore, they don't bring a korban Torah. There is no korban Torah involved. Now, I'd like to speak a little bit about Purim. I mean, it was only a few days ago, and still the spirit of Purim is on us. And I want to say a few words. But before that, I want to mention an interesting thing that I've read a while back. It says, it says in the Megillah that Esther asked from uh, King Ahasuerosh to kill the 10 sons of Haman. 10 sons of Haman. And they did. They killed them. That's what it says. They killed them. Then next we see that Esther asks from King Ahasuerosh, this is after the killing. Oh, Give me permission to take the ten sons of Haman and hang them. In the future, they will be hanged. What's the idea behind this? Right? The Pshat Pashut is perhaps to just publicize to the people. Hey, they were killed, but now we put them on the gallows so people should see and fear the Bnei Israel. But there is something Interesting. This is itlu. Asara itlu shall be in the future hanged. 
So we can perhaps expand a little bit on this. And meaning 10 descendants of Haman. 10 descendants of Haman who is Amalek. This also will be considered Amalek. They will be hanged. In 1945, as you probably, some of you might remember, there was a judgment at Nuremberg. Now, this judgment was, it took 22 leaders of the Nazi Germany, and they had a judgment, and 11 of them were sentenced to death. 11. The others had different sentences. But one of them, Goring, he killed himself by poison before execution. The other 10, now, they should be executed, but they didn't face the firing squad. What did they do with them? The other 10 were hanged. And that happened in the year of 1946. They were hanged. Normally, you know, nowadays, you don't use hanging in civilized country, you know, but they were hanged. Now, 1946 in Hebrew corresponds to 5707. The last three digits, 707, if you look at the Megillah, you will see that Aseret ben Haman, when they are written in the Megillah, that's Kasher, you'll see that there's a Tav that's very tiny, a Shin that's very tiny, and a Zayin that's very tiny. Tav, Shin, Zayin is exactly 707. So what does this mean? Bet Aseret ben Haman, who come Amalek, distant Nazis in Mahshimah v'zichram, yitlu anaes, they'll be hanged. It happened in 1946, which is the Hebrew year of 5707. An interesting remark. Now, I want to ask, a, there's a question that's been asked by many people. So, you know, we see important people going around with uh, costumes and masks. Some people... Uh, uh, disguise themselves as policemen. Some are soldiers, a clown, Queen Esther, Mordechai, and so on and so forth. Is there a makor, is there a shoresh to this minhag? Yeah, of course, it turns out, and uh, we can go to Shulchan Aruch. Okay? Shulchan Aruch. Over there, the Ramah. Now, the Ramah mentions it, the uh, interesting that uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo, who is a Sephardic rabbi in the Shulchan Aruch, he did not mention it, but the Ramah mentions it. He says, This idea that the people would be wearing all kinds of masks and dis disguises on Purim. He says, En isur badaba. There is no isur, not asur. Why? Their whole intention is to be merry and happy and show uh, joy on Purim. He says, fine, there's nothing wrong with it. So there is a makor to it. Question is, fine, there's a makor. But is there significance to this? How come we practice this minhag? Is there any kind of reasoning, any significance to it? And it turns out, yes, there are a, a couple of answers to that. 
Now, I'm sure a lot of you have noticed that the name of Hashem is hidden in Megillah. It doesn't appear. It doesn't look at the whole Megillah, the name of Hashem is not there. But the Gaum of Vilna says something very interesting about that. He says, you know, if you look at each event in the Megillah, each one by itself, it can be rationalized. For example, uh, King Ahasuerus at the beginning, he made a, a banquet 180 days, Man, then seven days for the people in Shushan. Well, that can happen. Well, that's possible. If you take it by itself, possible. He asked for his wife, Zeresh, to come and show her beauty to the people. That she refuses to come. And she was banished. That by itself, that could happen also. That a beauty pageant. You know, a beauty pageant with uh, thousands of maidens. And Hashem made a miracle. Only Esther was chosen. That could happen. By itself. Haman, Rasha. As prime minister, it can happen. But he says, when you put all these pieces together, the, and all the events that happened in the Megillah, that cannot happen by itself. That's too much of a coincidence to be logical or rational. Just the hand of Hashem had been all along over there. The ness of Purim was because the Borei Olam was planning and orchestrating the entire thing, the Gezerah and the saving of the Bnei Israel. So being that Hashem did hid himself, we hide ourselves behind certain masks in order to show, to remember, to commemorate the fact that Hashem hid himself, we're going to hide also in order to emphasize that the fact that he hid himself is meaningless. The nest was there all along. And recall, we're recalling the, mir the miracle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to our ancestors in Shushan. It, it seems that uh, the Ramah himself, I, I heard this uh, uh, some time ago, that he used to disguise himself in, uh, in, uh, during uh, Purim in the evening because Ampurim people have a seudah usually a little bit late afternoon going into the evening. They drink and eat and liquor and so on. They can get drunk. And they might forget about the uh, tefillah of Arvit. So he used to go from house to house, knock at the door, and ask for water. So I, I need water in order to wash my hands because I want, I'm going to go now and pray Arvit. Now some people... Before tefillah, they wash their hands. So I want to wash my hands and go to, you know, tefillah. When he says tefillah arbit, that like uh, strikes a chord in the minds of the people and he reminds them to go for arbit. There was one reason. There's another interesting reason, which I want to ampl uh, amplify, expand on. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, says, asked his Talmudim, his students, why was there a Gezerah for the Jews to be Hasbi Shalom eliminated? Why was that altogether? Why was it proclaimed altogether? So the students answered, because they benefited. Nehenu. It doesn't say Achlu, Nehenu. 
from the banquet of Ahasuerus. I mean, some opinions say that the food was kosher for the Jews. So Nehenu, they had a Hana'a. Also, what's the Anna? And this Hana'a was terrible. They mixed with Goyim. It was a Twililut with the Goyim. You can't imagine the kind of banquet a pagan king like Ahasuerus made. I don't even have to go along into that. You know, dancers, uh, lewd and offensive environment, socializing with Goyim, which increases the chance of assimilation of Salam. They also saw the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash there. Didn't bother them. That was the answer of the students. So Rabbi Shimon says, wait a minute. If that's the case, because they want, they participated in the banquet of Ahasuerus, then who participated? Only the Jews in Shushan. They were the only ones that were invited to the banquet. What about the other Jews in the entire 127 states? Thousands and tens of thousands of Jews, they were not invited, so they were not. So why was the guest on everybody? It should have been only on the Jews in Shushan. So the Talmudim said to Rabbi Shimon Barahai, okay, you tell us, what is the answer? Interesting. He said to them, that Gezerah, because they prostrated themselves, because they bowed down some 70 years before that to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babel, had built. He built a huge statue, nine, approximately 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and forced everyone to bow down. Otherwise, hey, they face they faced to be killed. Execution. Either you bow down or you're killed. So Tamidim said to him, wait a minute. But they only pretended to bow down. Deep down in their heart and mind, they were loyal to Hashem. They didn't mean to. They had no choice. They were afraid to be killed. So they bowed down. They pretended. So Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yahai said to them, okay, same thing in Purim. Hashem only pretended to impose a gezerah on the Jews. But it never happened. It was a pretense. Pretended. Uh, and so add, add to that the fact that one of the major themes in, uh, in the Megillah Mordechai that was uh, uh, disguised in the, with the clothing of the king, the, the horse of the king, and so on and so forth, that's again disguised. So therefore, Ampuri, we are pretending what we're not. We're pretending. Prepare to be a soldier, pretend to be a, a policeman, whatever. It's we're pretending. And that's why perhaps one of the reasons why we are disguising ourselves. The moral of the story that I want to mention, Rabbi is the following. Only Ampurim, we can pretend. Throughout the entire year, Rabbi we cannot pretend. We have to be honest with ourselves in our dealings every single day of the year. We cannot pretend. Some people pretend 
to be religious in their private homes, inside. Outside, when they travel, well, they're different. They give all kinds of leniencies, all kinds of kulot that don't exist. Don't pretend. They say that the king had to have two Sifre Torah. He had to write two Sifre Torah. It says in, in the parasha, it says in the Chumash. One they kept inside, one outside. He took with him around. Why? The way he behaves inside, he's going to have to behave the same way exactly outside. You cannot just pretend that inside you're a very religious person, outside you behave differently. Can be, can be done like, cannot be done like that. So, Rabbi when you are dealing with people in your business, for example, be honest with the people. Don't pretend. Oh, you know this item? It cost me $100. I'm giving it to you for 80 Don't pretend. Be truthful. Gezel is a, a, a very big sin. One of the first questions the person is asked when he goes up after 120 is, Did you deal in business faithfully without any gazelle? Let's not pretend. And now that we're talking about the question of pretending, I want to add something that has to do with what's going on nowadays. We all know this year is an election year. But this year is very, very crucial to our Holy Land, to the state of Israel. Stabbings are going on every day. We don't see any uh, light at the end of the, of the tunnel for the peace, at least not in the near future. And who makes it as President of the United States would be very, very important to us as far as the relations between the United States and Israel. We have the power to vote and help elect people in this country who are good for us and Israel. We have that power. Of course, we, we're not the majority, but every bit, every vote counts. And let me tell you why. Give an example. During the may mayoral, uh, they, when they were electing a mayor, of New York City in 1990, okay? And the candidates were David Dinkins and Ed Koch. Ed Koch was, of course, he was Jewish and he was favorable to the Jews. David Dinkins was African-American, the only African-American that ever be, was a mayor of New York. And he, if you recall, there was a pogrom once I call it a pogrom because uh, it was in Kranheis and uh, and the, the, the people there, the uh, African-Americans, they beat up and many, many, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lubavitcher people and the police were standing there and didn't do a thing, didn't even intervene. And you know how many votes Dinkins won by? How many? 10,000 votes. And they made a survey in our community alone, there were over 20,000 people that did not go to vote. 
Now you realize, had those 20,000 gone to vote, Ed Koch would have been the mayor. Now, of course, uh, Dinkins also was pretending to be a friend of the Jews. That's before he became a mayor, went around, and he tells every people how friendly he is. But this is happening on the pres presidential level. Hillary Clinton, during the IPEC speech, well, she showed, or at least she, 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 she spoke about, oh, how friendly she is to Israel, improving relations between U.S. and Israel, how solid are the relations between U.S. and the United States and Israel. But I will tell you one thing. In 1998, being the first lady, she was the wife of Bill Clinton at the time, President of the United States, she made a special visit with Yasser Arafat and embraced and kissed his wife, Suha, on both cheeks. That picture went all around the world. She was jubilant. We'll be happy to be there. People pretend. We have to be very careful who we choose as our president. We can't look at people at what they say, what they utter, what they verbalize. We have to look deeper and see really what they have in mind either through their, their history uh, or through uh, other people that know what was happening. We have to read up. Uh, we really have to uh, do some research on this before we just go ahead and cast our vote. Our vote is important. We have to be careful. Let me tell you a person who does not pretend to be a friend of the Jews. But he is, or he was, he still is. That was Mayor Giuliani. In 1995, Mayor Giuliani made a special concert at Lincoln Center. And that was special to entertain world leaders from all over, Japan, China, France, uh, United Kingdom, everywhere. It was a very special concert. It was by invitation only. What happened? Yasir Arafat with his aides, whatever, they came in there and there was this set. <laughs> world leaders? Well, he's a world leader. What happened? Mayor Giuliani sent two people to him. And he told him, Mr. Arafat, Mr. Chairman, you're not invited and you have to leave. So you said, Arafat, you know who I am? I'm the chairman of the PLO. We know who you are. You don't have an invitation, you have to leave. Of course, this, this action, this act was condemned by the White House, da, 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 da. but you know, it takes a lot of guts, a lot of gall for, for someone to do something like that unless he's really strong. He's strong, he knows he's a friend of the Jews and he's going to be friend all his life. I wish Mayor Giuliani made it as president. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Rabotai, we have to be very careful. 
Let's not elect people who pretend. Let us elect the people who really are true friends of Israel. And let's not pretend ourselves either in our life. Let's not make, uh, uh, make believe. Oh, oh yeah, I, I pray every day. We know I only pray home. I don't have time. Bekitsur. Tefillah bekitsur. You say a couple of words here, a couple of words there, and I run to work. You're honest with yourself. Go to the tefillah. If you have time, maybe a few minutes before that, for a shiur, something like that. Be more honest with yourself, with your relationship between you and the Boreona. Here are some that Akadushwaruchu should really help us, that we should be more uh, honest with ourselves and fulfill the mitzvot of the Torah, and that will bring up our Mashiach Sitkenu. Amen. Uh, let me mention that this particular station does a lot of good to the, the entire community. It was opened and operated only for the purpose of spiritual welfare of this community. And we owe it to them, to help them, to support them as much as possible. I also want to mention that we have this new hall that's been uh, all renovated, something stunning, beautiful. If you have any simha, wedding, famiswa, whatever, please contact Sephardic Lebanese congregation. I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate you. Shalom Aleichem, Shabbat